0: There was a fad a few years ago that I heard about, how dogs and their owners spent their last day together. When it was time, unfortunately, for dogs to be put down, some owners would make it the best day of the dog's life. They would dress up the dog in a nice costume, uh, take the dog to the best park, Uh, they would give the dog its best meal so that the dog could have its best day on its last day. Uh, I teased with my wife, Sarah, that I was glad that I heard about that because I knew if she woke me up one morning and put my best clothes on and said we were going to my favorite restaurant and that I was going to have my best day ever, that I should be suspicious and really I should run away. But seriously, how would you spend your last day on earth? I know you thought about it. And as you have thought about it, you've probably thought like I have. It would be kind of useless to take that time to go on a shopping spree. What would you do with everything you got? And you probably wouldn't spend it as well uh, just gorging yourself with food. What good would that do you? You would probably spend it the same way that I would. And that is with those who are closest to you. You would spend it with your family. You would spend it with your closest friends. You would make amends. You would say your last words to those you wanted to hear it. And that's how you would spend your last day. Well, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ did the same thing. Today in the story of Easter, we come to Thursday... ...where Jesus spent His last hours before the cross with his disciples and the Father. But before we get to those events of that night, I want to talk about something that happened a little bit earlier. Go back in time to Jesus' first miracle. There he was in Cana, and the wedding party was out of wine, and his mother came to him and said to him to do something about it. This is what Jesus said to her. He said, my hour has not yet come. It wasn't His time. But fast forward about three years later. Jesus preached and He taught. Jesus did miracles. Jesus showed who He was, that He was the Messiah, the Son of God. And even in this series of sermons, we have looked at that last week. Leading up to the cross... On Sunday, Jesus came in triumphantly riding on a donkey. We saw how on Monday, He cleaned out the money changers and made the temple once again a house of prayer. And also on Tuesday, how He debated with the religious leaders, getting the best of them. And how also on Wednesday, the worst part of the week before the very end of the week, Judas betraying our Lord. On this Thursday of this week, Jesus had these words to say. He said in John 17:1, Father, the hour has come. It is now time for Jesus' hour. It's time for the reason that He came to this earth. And this morning I want to look and to learn and to change our lives because of what Jesus did and what he went through. Jesus spent that Thursday night with his disciples. It was there he had so much to say to them because it was his last time with them before the cross. Yes, he would see them again after his resurrection, but this was a time for him to challenge them, but also to comfort them. And Jesus said these words, really the most comforting words that we could hear from our Lord. He said in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to Myself. So that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Jesus had to tell them He was going away. He had to tell them that He was going to a place that they would not be able to see Him. When Jesus said those words, uh, Thomas replied... In John 14, 6, Thomas says this, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus had these comforting words. He was going away, but he made promises to his disciples that this wasn't Uh, An abandonment. This wasn't a time for them to worry or be concerned or have their hearts troubled. Jesus said, I'm going away. But he made these promises. The most important promise was that he was coming back. It was a separation for a time, but it wasn't he was leaving forever. And so he made a promise that even while he was going away, he was doing something. He was preparing a place for them. So that he could bring them to that place where he was. Thomas was looking for a location. He wanted to know the name of the town or to know the name of the country. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, all you need to know is to follow me because I am the way. And Jesus was about to show them that. How he was the way of salvation. Jesus was the way to the Father. Jesus was the way to heaven and eternal life like Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life. Jesus made other promises to them. He promised them that they would have peace even though he was gone. He would give them peace. He promised them joy because he would be away for a while but he would come back and their joy would be fulfilled. Jesus promised them that he wasn't going to leave them alone, that he was going to bring them a counselor, or our comforter. He was referring to the Holy Spirit who would come and and teach them all things. And He would be the Holy Spirit who would lead them into truth and the Holy Spirit who would convict the world of sin and the Holy Spirit who would dwell believers and give us the ability and the power to please the Lord. Joy and peace, a comforter, going away to prepare a place. These were the promises that Jesus made to his disciples that night. He didn't want them to fear or be afraid of what was about to happen. But Jesus also commanded them. He gave them some things to do in the meantime while he was gone. First, he told them to be servants and to serve one another, and he showed them that by washing their feet. The dirtiest job that you can imagine in hospitality was washing feet. We might think of it today as uh, washing the toilets for our guests when they're ready to come over and to think about that dirty job. But think about it, when you're washing feet, it's not your own toilet you're washing, it's someone else's. And and this is what Jesus was doing for them. When someone would host a meal, uh, the guests would come in and they would have been walking and their feet would have been dirty and dusty and... They would sit on the floor at a table as they ate their meal. Can you imagine uh, sitting, leaning next to people that close to their dirty, smelly feet? So it was the servant's job as a guest would come in to wash the feet so that the traveler would be refreshed and the meal would be enjoyable. That evening as Jesus ate that meal with his disciples, he was the one who washed their feet. He said to them that they called him teacher and Lord and they were correct to do so because that's who he was. But he also wanted to show them his love and show them how they were to live their life. A life of service. A life of doing the humble tasks. Living a life where they put others' interests before their own. That's what a servant does. And Jesus showed that to them and commanded them to do the same. Jesus also gave them other commands. He told them to love one another as he had loved them. He told them to abide in him so that they would produce much fruit. He told them to remember him. Jesus that night had a meal with his disciples. It was a meal ...that the Jews all over Jerusalem and all over the nation were having. It was the Passover meal. A meal where the Jews remembered how God delivered them from Egypt. And how the angel of death passed over the houses of the Israelites... ...who had put blood on the doorpost of their homes. They were used to having a meal of bread and, and drinking that night Jesus gave it new meaning. That night Jesus said to his disciples that that bread represented his body that was given for them. He said that cup represented his blood that would be shed for the forgiveness of many sins. That night he gave new meaning to this Passover meal before had been a meal of remembering deliverance out of Egypt. That night it became a remembrance of a Savior who died for sin and delivered us from sin and death and Satan. That's what Jesus gave to His disciples and to us that night. And that's what I want you to know, that these promises to the disciples and these commands to them weren't only for them, they're for us. The the promises of Jesus going to prepare a place and taking us there. And the promise that Jesus gave that He's the way and the truth and the life. The promise of peace, of joy, of the Holy Spirit. are promises that give us comfort now as they did the disciples that night. And the commands He gave us. The commands to love one another, serve one another. Live a fruitful life abiding in Jesus and remembering Him whenever we do so with the bread and the cup, His love for us, His sacrifice for us, and His victory over sin. That's how that evening began. But after that, it was a time of prayer. Uh, we've been taught to pray since we were children. And Probably when we first started praying, our prayers were simple and our prayers were repetitive. I'm reminded of a a joke of a young boy who was saying his nightly prayers with his mother and grandmother there with him. His prayer began as most children's prayers do. He said, God, bless Mommy and Daddy and my family. Help me to have a good night's sleep. Thank you for everything that you give me. But then he said these words very loudly. And please, I want a bicycle for my birthday. His mom said, you don't have to shout. God's not deaf. The little boy said, yeah, but Grandma is. So he learned to pray asking for what he wanted. And that's how we learn. But we also know as we become adults, our prayers become deeper. Our needs greater. And no greater need did Jesus have that night than to spend time with his Father. John 17 records a prayer for us that really is the Lord's Prayer. We refer to the Lord's Prayer when we think of the one he taught his disciples and us to pray. That's really a prayer for us to pray. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed. And it was a time, we don't know when he prayed it, maybe right before they left The upper room, maybe in a time between there and Gethsemane, or maybe in the garden. But Jesus prayed this as He talked to His Father. He prayed that He would be glorified as He would glorify the Father. But Jesus also prayed for the disciples. He knew that they were going to go into a world where they would be persecuted, in a world that would uh, hate them, and so He prayed that the Father would protect them. He prayed that the disciples would be one, they would be united so that they could stand together and they could go into this world of hostility. What I find so amazing as well is that Jesus prayed too for us. Think about that. The night that Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, He prayed for you and for me. And his prayer was that we would be one, united together and united with the Father. And you know why? So that the whole world would know and believe in Jesus. And also he prayed that we would be with the Lord forever. Think about that. The Lord praying for himself and the Father to be glorified. Praying for the disciples to be protected and united. And for us to be united. Showing the world who Jesus is. And being with Him forever. That's a prayer that's beautiful. But that wasn't the only praying that night. That night Jesus was also in the Garden of Gethsemane. A place where His prayers turned more to anguish. And a cry the Lord to take this cup from him. In Matthew 26, Jesus says this, or Matthew writes this. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake With me. Jesus there, sorrowed, troubled, in anguish, knew what was about to happen. His heart, his mind, he knew this is why he came to this earth. He knew this was his moment, this was his hour. But now, he needed help, he needed the Father. And that's why he cried out to him and prayed. He wanted others to pray with him. He brought Peter and James and John. Asked them to pray. All they could do was sleep. Jesus cried in anguish to the Father in prayer. It says in Matthew 26, going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed. My Father... If it is possible, let this cup pass for me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus was in agony. and We don't know exactly why. I've wondered that, as many have. Was it the anguish of the physical abuse and the crucifixion that he was about to face? Was it being separated from his disciples he had just been with? Or, I believe more likely, that burden of carrying the sin of the world on the cross and in some way being separated from the Father as He bore our guilt and our shame and the weight of the sin of billions of humans through human history. That was a heavy, heavy weight to bear. And as He thought about it, even Jesus in that moment Ask the Father, if there's some way this could not happen, let's let it pass. Let's try something different. I don't really want this, but Jesus knew that it was His only being to do the will of the Father. And what His will was, is what He was going to do. And that's what Jesus did. He prayed that, though, three times... That if this cup can pass. But I always ended that prayer not my will, but yours be done. When I think about the Lord in prayer, we who are weak and human face difficulties all the time, much less burdensome than Jesus bearing the sin of the world. But isn't it true that when We need help, and when we are burdened, when we are concerned, we don't usually pray. Or that's not the first thing we think about. We we often think about how we're going to figure it out. We think about who we're going to talk to. We're figuring out what the worst case scenario might be. We're more like the disciples. In time of crisis, we're asleep, we're lazy. We're thinking about ourselves. In time of crisis, if Jesus prayed, that's what we need to do. Uh, prayer, daily prayer, often. Brothers and sisters, let's be people who prayer. If our Lord had to, we certainly need to. And when we do, we get the strength and we get the wisdom to face what's coming and to face uncertainty. Jesus, in his time with his family, his disciples, in his time with the Father, was then prepared for what did come next. And what came next was a betrayal. What came next was Judas, with a kiss, showing The soldiers, here is Jesus. Jesus knew it was his hour, and so he was willing to go. Peter was not. Peter took a sword. He struck one of the soldiers with it, cut his ear off. Jesus told Peter, put the sword away. Jesus healed Malchus and went with the soldiers to his trial. That night, Jesus he really had three trials. He was first taken to Annas, who had been the high priest and was the father-in-law of the current high priest, Caiaphas. It was there that Annas asked him about his teaching. And Jesus replied, I've been teaching in the open. I've been teaching so that so many people have heard me. Why do you need to ask me about what I've taught? Ask all of these people who have heard. They'll tell you what I have taught. It was then that Jesus got the first slap right on his face. One of the soldiers rebuking him for speaking to the former high priest in such a way. And then turned him over to Caiaphas. And when he went to Caiaphas, there he was asked about who he was. There Caiaphas had some of the Sanhedrin and they brought some witnesses and they brought all these false witnesses yet they couldn't get any of the false witnesses to agree or to bring a charge against our Lord. Finally, they did have two who said that Jesus had claimed that He could tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. He had made a claim like that as He was referring to His body and referring to His death and His resurrection. The irony is that His trial. The words that were used to accuse him were the prophecy of what was about to happen. Finally, Caiaphas had had enough. He just told Jesus, swear an oath and tell us the truth. Are you the Messiah? Jesus said, yes, I am. And that was all that Caiaphas needed. Jesus had claimed to be God... Caiaphas and the other religious leaders had two choices. One was to bow and to follow and obey the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The other was to condemn him as a liar, as one speaking blasphemy. And that is what they did. The sentence for blasphemy was death. And so the Sanhedrin quickly gathered again for... A third trial simply after daylight because they, by Jewish law, were not allowed to have trials at night. As soon as the sun came up, they officially came together, gave Jesus a sentence of death based on the charge of blasphemy. Thursday night had come to an end and Jesus had been tried and convicted. And now it was time for the final part Of his hour. I want us to think about this brothers and sisters. Jesus on his last day. Before the cross. Spent his time with those closest to him. And spent time in prayer with the father. To prepare him for what he was going to face. There's encouragement in that for us. That when we need strength. To face the uncertain when we need strength to face what is burdening us. Go to those closest to us. Go to the Father, and we will be prepared for whatever happens. This is always true about our faith and about our walk with the Lord. Those times of strengthening and times in prayer are are always preparing us for a task, for a mission. The same was true with Jesus He was prepared for what was about to happen, the cruel cross. This week and into the months and years of your life, the time you spend with the Father and from others being strengthened prepares you for the mission God has for you. He's sending us into a world that hates us, into a world where there is chaos and turmoil, a place where we will be persecuted, where we will have a cross to bear. But again, don't allow that to concern you, worry you, or discourage you. I love these words that Jesus says at the end of the Gospel of John in chapter 15. He said to His disciples and to us, Yet I am not alone. ...because the Father is with me. I have told you these things... ...so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. There's victory in Jesus... ...and whatever you face... ...in this terrible world... ...you can have peace in the midst of it... ...and have victory over it... ...because Jesus has been there, and He has conquered it, and He gives us peace. Let's go to Him in prayer. Jesus, we thank You for Your example of how to face difficult times. But more than an example, God, You are with us. We are not alone. And You are victorious. So I pray today, For those who are hearing this word this morning, who may be facing uncertainty or turmoil, trouble, crises, that God, they would right now on their knees call out to you for your help and wisdom and guidance. And I pray, Lord, they would surround themselves with people who love them and care for them to help them through this time. Lord, I pray that they would hear your comforting words of peace and joy and victory. But Lord, I also pray for those who may not feel as though their time right now is like the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, I pray that you would help them to remember that this night we've talked about was a night to remember forever because it was the beginning of our redemption at the cross and the empty tomb. May they this morning rejoice in what you have done. And Lord, for those who do not know you as Savior, I pray they would hear your words, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That this morning they would believe that you died for their sin, you rose again to life, and that you would save them today. Lord Jesus, I pray these things in your name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, It's time to respond to what the Lord has spoken to your heart. Listen as we sing. Sing, if you will. But more than the singing is the responding to what God has said to you. The only answer is yes, God. Do so right now as we sing. Okay. All right. (laughs)